Celebrate the historic 100th Greeley Stampede, June 23rd through July 4th, featuring concerts, rodeo, carnival, and more. Tickets available at GreeleyStampede.org. This is Mornings with Kale on Northern Colorado's Voice, 1310 KFKA. Do you believe in magic? Well, we can continue to believe in magic, but... Maybe it'll happen next year for the Nuggets. Uh, 607 now, Northern Colorado's Voice, 1031-1310, KFKA, Mornings with Gail, from the Aloe Communications Studios. As Michael Singer writes in the Denver Post, in a building that's created more nightmares than the Nuggets care to remember, well, Wednesday night offered yet Another one. After leading the majority of the second half, threatening to steal that must-win Game 5, the Nuggets fell to Golden State, 102-98, to ending their season. Oh, it's a sad tale, to be sure. And I can't help but think that this will probably be top of mind for Brady Hall, host of The Hall Show, uh, her weekdays right here from noon to two. But, you know, it's interesting because when we talked to him on Monday, he was taking a rather pragmatic approach. Nice drop there, Michael Kilpatrick, as we're all kind of um, sad, sad this morning that the Nuggets uh, just didn't make it through. So I love uh, the musical interlude. It reminds me of one of our stories. (laughs) I've, I've played it for myself before. Yes, exactly. When you're having one of those days, right? Yeah, when when the Broncos haven't haven't done well. Yeah. I I I play that that part of the song in loop constantly <laughs> just to feel sorry for myself. Oh, it's balm for the soul, right? <laughs> I'll I'll play that for the Nuggets after the sec the Nuggets. Excuse me. I'll play that for the Avalanche after the second round. Yeah, yikes. There you if go. If they decide to uh, make it a I think a fifth year in a row. <laughs> yeah. I think you've got it. Nailed it. Well, the Warriors won that opening round playoff series 4-1. to one. Uh, Nuggets coach Michael Malone said, uh, you know, keeping it on the high road. As a head coach, I couldn't be more proud of a group that could have rolled over after the third game. All these people out there, no one gave us a chance to win the series. And I think that there were a lot of people that were saying that uh, tonight, referring to game five, was going to be a route that we were going to be blown out. Well, that didn't happen because of their MVP, who, according to Malone, entered Game 5 dealing with hamstring tightness. But it really didn't slow Nikola Jokic uh, his role. As he has all season, Nikola Jokic gave every ounce of effort he had to keep the Nuggets in the game. And he did. I mean, 102-98, that's respectable. I think we can feel pretty good about that. He scored 12 consecutive points over the final three minutes and 46 seconds of regulation, willing and dragging his team to within one possession, one single solitary possession of the lead on numerous occasions. We fought said Jokic, who downplayed the significance of his hamstring tightness. That's the most important thing. Meanwhile, you got the Rockies uh, firmly on the struggle bus as uh, they were dealt a third straight loss by the Phillies. Outpitched, outgunned, outplayed. Yeah, the Rockies pretty much 
have hit a wall in Philadelphia. Working from a piece by Patrick Saunders out of the Denver Post, they dropped their third consecutive game. But, you know, there's about a gazillion games left in the season, so hope springs. Third consecutive game to the Phillies uh, just last night, losing 7-3 to at the Citizens Ballpark. Uh, Colorado, having been outscored, yikes, 25-8 to in the series thus far. Well, they hope to avoid a series sweep Thursday afternoon. You had a rookie right-hander, Tyler Feltner, called up from AAA Albuquerque for the start pitch, pitching five innings and uh, giving the Rockies at least a chance to win the game. He made just his third big league start. Manager Bud Black uh, told reporters in Philadelphia, I learned that there are some things that he needs to learn. Well, of course there are. I mean, this is just his third big league start. I mean, he's he's kind of like a babe in the bullpen, right? But, said Bud Black, I like the way he hung in there. He showed some poise, which was great. And, yes, he showed a little fire, too, as the game went on. There were a couple of situations where he made a couple of bad pitches, said Bud Black. And I could tell his reaction was sudden. He made a bad pitch, and he was going to correct it. There is a will in there that I really like. And, said Bud Black, I like his stuff. Now, the most encouraging thing about Feltner's start, these were his seven strikeouts and the fact that he faced the minimum number of batters in the fourth and fifth innings. But keeping uh, Demarius Thomas's magic and memory alive, Peyton Manning just announced a scholarship endowment with Georgia Tech in DT's name. Some good news, right? Working from Peace by uh, Analyst Bailey out of USA Today in memory of the Broncos' wide receiver, the late Demarius Thomas. Peyton Manning has announced that scholarship endowment with Georgia Tech. Manning wrote on social media just yesterday, Demarius Thomas was an incredibly talented and unselfish teammate, but more importantly, He was a special person and a friend. My family and I, wrote Manning, miss him dearly, and we wanted to honor DT's memory by partnering uh, the Payback Foundation with Georgia Tech to establish the Demarius A. Thomas Scholarship Endowment. Thomas, as you know, died December 2021, too soon at the age of 33. He announced his retirement uh, June 2021 after a 10-season NFL career. He was a first-round pick in 2010 out of Georgia Tech and recorded the second most receiving yards with the uh, Denver Broncos in franchise history. Manning's statement continued, an important part of Demarius's legacy was the way he inspired the next generation to pursue their dreams with the same perseverance and determination that ultimately defined him. Through this scholarship to Georgia Tech, Demarius will have a lasting impact on deserving youth from his hometown area who can follow in his footsteps and accomplish great things in life. Now, in addition to the scholarship, Georgia Tech Athletics announced that August 8th of each year will be recognized by Georgia Tech as 
Demarius Thomas Day. Thomas wore number eight at Georgia Tech and number 88 for the majority of his pro career. Georgia Tech football will also honor Thomas's memory throughout the 2022 season with a number eight helmet decal and a number eight memorial painted on the field for home games at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Uh, The school made that announcement uh, just uh, yesterday. This has Peyton Manning announced that scholarship endowment with Georgia Tech in DT's name. And I think it's fitting, don't you, Micah? I think so, too. Yeah, no question there. 615 now, Northern Colorado's Voice, 1031-1310, KFKA, this time check sponsored by the Candlelight Dinner Playhouse, where you can enjoy the epitome of the uh, musical dinner theater experience. Find out what I'm talking about. Jump online, visit coloradocandlelight.com. Candlelight Dinner Playhouse in Johnstown, Broadway in your backyard. Weather forecast, local news and sports. No code now airs weekdays at 9 in Northern Colorado's Voice. 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. Dust in the wind. Oh, heavy sigh. Collective heavy sigh. Yes, more wind in the forecast for the weekend ahead. And as a result, uh, fire restrictions have been enacted in unincorporated Larimer County and uh, on national forest land as well. Had to laugh. Uh, I was reading a Facebook post, uh, Sheriff Steve Reams, and uh, I can't even remember when it popped up, but he said, I am so sick of this blankety blank wind. And I think we all are. That's something that, yes, we can all agree upon and there was the funniest response to his post uh one man said why don't you just go arrest the wind <laughs> you gotta love the play on words there 623 now northern colorado's voice 1031 1310 kfka mornings with gail from the allo communications studios but according to a piece by sadie swanson out of the coloradan uh the larimer county commissioners have enacted fire restrictions again uh, ahead of this uh forecasted windy weekend that is coming our way. Now, you had uh, commissioners Kristen Stevens and uh, Jody Shattuck McNally voting Wednesday, just yesterday, to restrict campfires, outdoor smoking, and other activities that are more likely to start a wildfire, again, in unincorporated Larimer County ahead of this weekend with high winds in the forecast. Now, the commissioners apparently expressed interest in enacting fire restrictions Tuesday, but needed to postpone that vote to yesterday so that it could be posted publicly for 24 hours. So here are the activities, no surprise here, that aren't allowed under Larimer County's restrictions. Uh, Again, in unincorporated Larimer County, campfires, other open fires, smoking outdoors, no welding outdoors, the use of any combustible devices, including but not limited to to sky lanterns, exploding ammunition, exploding targets, and tracer am- ammunition. Oh, and uh, fireworks uh, pretty much off the table as well. Well, duh. Now, 
Here are some of the activities that are still allowed under these restrictions. Fires in permanently constructed fireplaces designed expressly for that purpose. Fireplaces or wood stoves located inside of permanent structures. Fires in commercially operated wood and charcoal grills designed for cooking. Charcoal grills used at a private residence and located on a non-combustible surface at least 10 feet in diameter. It's complicated, isn't it? Camp stoves and grills using gas or pressurized liquid welding is allowed inside a building. Now, these restrictions will remain in effect for two weeks. And once again, I can't reiterate this enough. At this point, only apply to unincorporated Larimer County. Uh, At the May 10th administrative meeting, commissioners will decide to let the order expire on May 11th or extend it. So we'll see what happens there. Mother Nature, of course, a driving force in every sense of the phrase uh, behind that decision-making process. So high winds, limited rain in the forecast this weekend means continued high fire danger, uh, not only in Larimer County, but indeed in a number of others as well. By the way, Larimer County has already had more of the red flag days so far in April alone than it had throughout the entire year of 2021. Now, the fires that have already burned in Larimer County this year were started uh, from, well, a variety of sources, down power lines, out of control, agricultural burns, and from someone shooting a firearm. Uh, this is according to Larimer County Sheriff's Office Emergency Operations Director uh, Justin Weitzel, who addressed uh, the commissioners on Tuesday. And while fire restrictions won't prevent fires starting from those sources, restrictions do prevent more fires, he said, from starting so that the county can ensure it has enough resources at the ready if a fire does start. Now, the commissioners also uh, voted Tuesday to approve changes to the county's fire restrictions ordinance. But those changes won't go into effect for 30 days. The changes don't restrict or ban any activities, but they do give the commissioners uh, more clear definitions for items and activities they could consider banning or restricting when enacting said fire restrictions. Now, the U.S. Forest Service put stage one fire restrictions in place in Arapahoe and uh, Roosevelt National Forest on Friday to include starting building or using a fire uh, outside a permanent metal or concrete fire pit or grate installed by the first Forest Service at campgrounds and picnic areas. Uh, no smoking uh, unless you're in an enclosed vehicle or building or at a developed a recreation site uh, operating a chainsaw uh-uh, not a good idea in fact it is forbidden operating a chainsaw without an effective and properly installed spark arrestor a fire extinguisher and a shuffle no blasting no welding or operating a torch without being in a cleared area of at least once again 10 feet in diameter diameter and having a fire extinguisher readily available and of course uh, no 
explosives whatsoever. These restrictions apply to Clear Creek, Boulder, and Canyon Lakes Ranger Districts within National Forest Land, and other neighboring counties have enacted uh, fire restrictions as well, including, at last check, uh, Boulder and Jefferson counties. All right. Coming up, more global supply chain woes as, uh, well, ships are stacked up around Shanghai. What does that mean in terms of where this all goes? Well, we're going to check in with someone who knows a little something, something about the global supply supply chain. Uh, professor Zach Rogers, again, a professor of supply chain management at Colorado State University. He weighs in right around 635. Closing in on 630 now, Northern Colorado's Voice, 1031-1310 KFKA. More on KFKA programs, podcasts, sports schedule, and news, go to 1310kfka.com. Now back to Mornings with Gail. Well, he really likes the Bee Gees. He's a huge John Travolta fan. And when it comes to uh, the global supply chain, his knowledge could fill most of those container ships that are jammed up around Shanghai. 637 now, Northern Colorado's Voice, 1031-1310, KFKA, Mornings with Gail, from the Allo Communications Studios. Zach Rogers is a professor of supply chain management at Colorado State University. Hey, Zach. Hey, one one last ride. This is this is like uh, you know the finale of Seinfeld, where everybody comes back. Right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I never like to feel like the soup Nazi, but today it's okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me on my penultimate show. Fitting as we started this conversation about the global supply chain, which many people would say dry, dry, dry. But you make it anything but. But we started this conversation what? Two years ago. Almost exactly. Yeah, I think two years ago last week we started talking about this. All right. So here I've got uh, competing headlines uh, for you to work through if you are so inclined. All right. Let's do it. uh, Gordon Chang, uh, Gatestone Institute, uh, was on Fox Business saying that the Shanghai lockdown supply chain issues are a real uh, nightmare, adding that the Shanghai port is completely blocked up. I saw a photo of it. It kind of looks like I-25 before and after a Broncos game. <laughs> uh, but then, once again, it, it depends where you fall on the particular equation. You've got a major shipping firm saying signs of supply chain bottlenecks easing. So which is it? Both. Yeah, it's both. It, uh-huh. it, Zach it Rogers, on... professor of supply chain. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, it depends on where you are. Shanghai right now, and you know the very strict COVID policies uh, that they have in China. I think are reminding people of the policies from very early lockdown. The port of Shanghai looks almost exactly like it did in April or May of of 2020 when nothing was getting out, mm-hmm. and that's a problem on a couple levels. One, okay. The ships that are, are full of finished cargo leaving China aren't moving, but also the components from China that go into American manufacturing, Japanese manufacturing, maybe even some Korean manufacturing, those aren't leaving right now either. 
And so we're going to have bottlenecks kind of all over the place. And, and, and yes, they are saying, oh, well, there's less ships maybe than, than there had been off the, the port of Shanghai in the past. And there's actually quite a few there just further away. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's happening is a lot of this inventory is building up in the warehouses. And, um, and everything's just sort of paused. And the last time we paused, we had this sort of fallow period, and then everything opened back up. And everything sped up again uh, very, very quickly. And we're seeing also the slowness. So, so the bottlenecks people talked about on on the U.S. side, we are seeing that slowness. Uh, we are seeing that slowness right now because the sort of trickle of inventory, the trickle of goods, has really, really slowed down uh, over the last month. And, and we're really going to start to see the impact of that starting this month, starting in May. We'll really start to see the slowdown uh, uh, from China. And here's the issue with that. So, yes, we have built up our capacity a little bit. We do have a little bit more, you know, trucks and intermodal cars, chassis. A lot of the docks in the East Coast have been significantly expanded so they could handle this. But we're not necessarily going to be at our best when China reopens. So Mm -hmm. on July 1st, the longshoreman contract, uh, which I think is a seven-year contract, expires, and they have to renegotiate. So that's all of the dock workers, 22,000 dock workers, longshoremen on the West Coast of the United States, they all bargain collectively. So their contract will be up on July 1st. And if I was a dock worker, and, and, and actually, how about this? Let's, Gail, imagine you're a dock worker, and you're about to negotiate for a new contract, and you've seen what has been in the headlines for the last two years. Don't you think you deserve a raise? Oh, you're in tall cotton, man. You're, you're holding <laughs> all the cards. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, last time they had this negotiation, uh, it slowed down significantly, the, the productivity of the ports. I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but we need to be aware that, okay, maybe China opens back up in the summer. That would be great. And it could be right as we see a partial strike uh, at, at our big uh, West Coast ports, which will only make the congestion uh, crazier and, and it'll be just like Groundhog's Day, possibly all over again, where suddenly we're back in September of, of last year. Oh, the purveyor of glad tidings, you certainly are. <laughs> But you kind of look at a trifecta of events that we're dealing with, okay? The draconian, and I can't explain it any other way, mm-hmm. the draconian measures uh, that uh, are locking people up and down in Shanghai, I mean, it, it boggles the mind, okay? So you've got all the ships off the coast. Uh, China, I believe, is the second largest economy in the world. I go back to uh, Gordon Chang uh, with the Gatestone Institute, uh, saying that we are going to feel it here, and you alluded to this, because China can't ship what it doesn't produce. So Mm -hmm. we've got uh, that working against us as well, inflation. And it seems as though uh, we're getting in the not-so-way-back machine, uh, going back to the days of empty shelves and, oh, dare I say it, hoarding. Once again, there are rumors of uh, of food uh, shortages as a result of all this. Heaven forbid, I don't even want to go to famine. I mean, this is much more than what Jen Psaki referred to as being a crisis of the treadmill. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a tough time to get a Peloton, too. I mean, we could give Jen some credit. But, uh, but no, I, I agree with you. Um, now, here's the one thing that's funny about all that. We are in a much different position 
in terms of inventory for durable goods in the United States. So this, this I could say some good news on the show. Uh, there's the, in terms of durable goods in the United States than we were in 2020. And that's actually, ironically, because of all the bottlenecks. So, you know, there's stuff that, you know, uh, Target or whoever was hoping to sell for Christmas that got here in late February. And so inventory levels in the United States and uh, the utilization of warehouses to hold that inventory is actually at at an all-time high. Now, that's for durable goods. So that's mm-hmm. like clothes, toys, some furniture stuff. We have more of that than we know what to do with. And actually, we need to run that down, which could lead to some lower prices and a little bit of deflationary pressure in some parts of the economy, which I think everybody would welcome a little deflationary pressure in some parts of the economy. Amen to that. Where, where we're going to have some issues is with electronics, uh, because we're just not producing uh, much electronics here. And as you alluded to, grocery. And the reason we're having a problem with grocery is because that turns over so, so quickly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our uh, capacity is being used up. Now, ironically, ironically, the high diesel prices will open up some grocery because now, um, because basically the, the high diesel prices are making everything more expensive, right? Diesel's $5.20 a gallon, by far the most expensive it's ever been. Thank you, Russia. Um, and so because it's so expensive, we have this inflationary pressure, and people are basically, okay, I'm going to spend money on just the essentials. And one of the essentials does include grocery. And so grocery is actually one of the few things that's still moving as quickly by truck uh, as it was when you know diesel fuel was $3.50. Mm-hmm. Now, doing things like, you know, what, what happened at the border last week where we ended up throwing away 200 million uh, pounds of produce because it sat in the truck for three days, that wasn't that helpful. Uh, that wasn't that helpful towards, towards getting food on the shelves. But in the end, um, in the end uh, food is fortunately one of the things that we really do produce in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we produce most of our own meat. We grow a lot of our own food now, not like avocados and grapes and stuff. We got to get that from somewhere else. And because of the uh, because of the issues with Ukraine and Russia, we don't have a lot of fertilizer, so um, we're going to cut way back on corn this year. Well, we've uh, seen that already as that war in Ukraine is impacting fertilizer prices in Colorado. That's right. That's right. And because of that, farmers are increasingly switching to soybeans because soybeans put nitrates back in the ground, whereas coin, corn takes uh, takes mm-hmm. you know the nitrates out. So hopefully. Everybody's okay with switching to soy flakes from corn flakes this year because we're going to have a bunch of them. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, always the contrarian and looking for the silver lining, you are Zach Rogers, <laughs> <laughs> professor of supply chain management at Colorado State University. All right. So uh, you and I could talk for the rest of the week about uh, whether Putin is responsible for gas prices. No, the invasion of Ukraine. <laughs> Uh, and everything that entails didn't help. But I think it also underscores the point uh, that energy independence is national security. And some of the moves by this administration have, uh, well, made us energy dependent as opposed to energy independent. But I want to get back to uh, supply chain. Does this underscore uh, the need uh, for a chain to a change to cut when it comes to that supply chain, to cut our reliance on China? I mean, do we need to integrate a greater supply chain resilience? 
Absolutely. And and I've actually written several papers about that in the last two years. Why doesn't that um, surprise me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you look me up? Uh, but so anyway, uh, yes. Yes, I'm not a stalker, now, but I do my things, homework. <laughs> right. So some of those things we can absolutely reshore. So bring them back to the United States. High-capacity batteries need to be made here. Um, semiconductors, pharmaceuticals, all those things should be made in the United States because those are all national security items. Now, some of the components we just don't have, like we maybe don't have a lot of palladium, for instance. So mm-hmm. some of those we'll still have to source. But the manufacturing could absolutely move here. As for the other sort of uh, things that we wouldn't manufacture in the United States, shoes, clothes, things like that, all of that should be near-shored. And near-shoring is the idea that, you know, Mexico is right there. We have free trade with Mexico. Central America is right there. We can have more manufacturing in El Salvador and Guatemala and places like that. And that does a couple things. One, increases our resilience, just like you said. And Nike, by the way, is actually an example of this. They moved all their NFL production from Vietnam to El Salvador last year hmm. because because of the, the shipping delays. People really would like to have football jerseys, so they, they moved them all to El Salvador. Um, and so not only does it give us more supply chain resilience, it also makes our neighborhood a little better. And all the things that people are worried about at the border, well, if you have good economic opportunity in Central America, in parts of South America, in Mexico, then people are going to want to stay there because that's where the good jobs are. And so if you create manufacturing hubs throughout Central America, not only can Americans get their stuff faster, but the issues we're having at the border will settle down because less people will be incentivized to leave their homes and come here. Mm, Fascinating. Now, everybody from – I'm just bouncing off your reference to Nike – Everybody from uh, Tesla to Apple has production facilities in Shanghai. Do they have to maybe rethink that equation? You know, I, I think so And some levels. And now part of the other thing is you can't just move the last step and say, okay, we're supply chain independent. You know, Foxconn tried to build uh, a factory in Wisconsin, and it didn't really work. And one of the main reasons it didn't work is because, okay, we can have the assembly in the United States. But a lot of the components are still going to come from abroad. And China just has this giant infrastructure set up. And behind their infrastructure is the government. The Chinese government owns a lot of their own companies. And so they don't care if their supply chains lose money. They'll they'll just fund it to to keep the competition down. Um, And so I think, you know, it really would take sort of a national program in some ways to build up. Uh, the supply chains we need for electronics manufacturing. And obviously, electronics are only going to become more important mm-hmm. uh, over the next 10 years. And, and, and so I think, I think we can do it. Now, the one other thing I would say is, yes, we are too dependent on China. But being connected to China economically is important. You know, on, on the side of the, the wall at, at uh, the Thunderbird Business School down in Arizona, um, they have written, when goods don't cross borders, soldiers do. And so I actually, and basically what that means is when you have a lot to lose economically, you don't want to screw that up with a war (laughs) or a fight. That is profound. Right. Well, and you know, the people who wrote that uh, Thunderbird Business School had been the Air Force uh, sort of training base during World War II. So all these World War II pilots got back and thought, well, that was horrible. Let's not do that again. And so they started a school of international business with the idea that international commerce is actually one of the greatest uh, one of the greatest peacekeeping tools we have. Deterrence. 
Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Zach Rogers, uh, professor of supply chain management at uh, Colorado State University. I could talk to you all morning, but unfortunately, the clock is a very strict task, mistress. But (laughs) I wanted to thank you so much uh, for all the insights, all the perspectives, and, well, all the fun that we've had over the years talking about uh, supply chain management. Who knew? Yeah. Well, and and you know what you guys did? You were the first. Uh, you were the first big, you know, kind of program in Northern Colorado to start talking about supply chain. So you know, you really, you were pioneers over there, and and uh, and we'll miss we'll miss mornings with Gail. Aww. Thanks so much, Zach. Really appreciate you. Take good care of you. All right, you gonna come over later? We'll watch Greece. Oh yes, I'm all in. I'll bring the popcorn. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Zach Rogers, uh, professor of supply chain management, Colorado State University. 652 now, Northern Colorado's Voice, 1031, 1310, KFKA. 657 now, Northern Colorado's Voice, 1031, 1310, KFKA. Unwind with a good afternoon guy, Brian Gary, weekdays at 3 p.m. on Northern Colorado's Voice. 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. Quarter economic growth number was a negative at 1.4%. Negative 1.4%. But some good news. Economists say it's not the beginning of a recession. We'll talk with Keith Weinman, Financial Gravity Colorado, in just a few. And uh, looking forward to our conversation with UNC President Dr. Andy Feinstein at 705. 1310 KFKA Greeley. It's 7 o'clock.